Welcome back to Nonstop Politics. I'm your host, Darsh Leslie, and in this episode, we'll be giving you a quick roundup of some of the key political developments in the UK from the last week. Coming up, Chancellor Sajid Javid issues a warning to business over EU regulatory alignment, plus the race to be the next Labour leader has continued to narrow down. One candidate dropped out of the race earlier this week. I'll tell you who that was a little bit later. But first, the Brexit Act has passed through Parliament and gained royal assent. The fact that I've even said those words is honestly quite extraordinary for me. Considering the sheer deadlock that prevented Theresa May's original deal from being passed uh, a year ago, it is absolutely incredible that I'm actually now able to say that the EU Withdrawal Agreement Bill has passed. And it just goes to show you just how important it is to have a parliamentary majority and a substantial parliamentary majority. Look at all of the chaos that Theresa May went through with her original deal because she was in the minority. Now Boris Johnson's come along and this thing has gone through Parliament without even so much as a whisper of any controversy whatsoever. Now, this point about Boris Johnson's majority is especially true because earlier this week, the House of Lords, in fact, actually voted against the deal. Well, not against the deal, but they voted to amend the legislation quite significantly. Peers supported calls for EU nationals to be given a physical proof of um, residence. They also voted to uh, remove ministers' power to decide which EU court of justice rulings could be disregarded by British courts. And they even voted for the Dubs Amendment, which would have seen the UK grant assigned to unaccompanied children who have relatives in the UK. All of those things were approved by the House of Lords in a sort of uh, vote of defiance against the Prime Minister and their government. And it turns out, because Boris Johnson has got a large majority, the Conservative MPs were just able to simply wash away all of those things. Because, as I said before, Boris Johnson's majority is 80, and he can do whatever the hell he wants. And so, when it went back to the House of Lords, they approved it without delay. And again, that's the role of the House of Lords. The House of Lords is there to scrutinise the work of the government, is there to act as a revising chamber. That's what it did. But all of those amendments that they put forward were swiftly shot down by the government. And as a result, Johnson's deal will head to Brussels in exactly the same form as it was created and voted on initially. And now that's a done deal. We are leaving the European Union officially in six days' time. There was a little bit of controversy outside of Westminster in terms of this vote because none of the devolved assemblies in Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland have actually consented to Boris Johnson's deal, which may seem a little bit insignificant right now. But longer term, this could be a major, major issue for the government. You see, in devolved assemblies, there's a process by which they give consent to the UK Parliament for them to legislate on areas that have since been devolved to those assemblies, known as the legislative consent motion. And we all know that Scotland voted very heavily to remain in the 2016 referendum, and members of the Scottish Parliament actually voted by 92 votes to 29 in rejecting Boris Johnson's deal. And what this will do is definitely put further strain on the unions as it stands. Even the SNP leader in Westminster, Ian Blackford, said in the past few days that the UK is now heading for a constitutional crisis, which may be a little bit of an exaggeration, considering the fact that, yes, Scotland is definitely leaning towards remaining in the EU. But to be fair to the Prime Minister, it was a UK-wide general election, and in that UK-wide general election, the majority of people did vote for the Tory party. So 
As I said before, in the short term, this won't cause Boris Johnson any bother, but I do think in the long term, it has the potential to cause him quite a bit of trouble, especially with elections to the Scottish Parliament in Holyrood just over one year away. But other than that, we are now less than a week away from leaving the European Union. The European Parliament is set to ratify the treaty very, very soon, and then that will be it. Brexit, phase one at least, will be done and dusted. So now that we're leaving the European Union in just under a week's time, the attention now turns to what the future relationship between the UK and the EU will look like. And earlier this week, Chancellor Sajid Javid made very clear in an interview with the Financial Times that there will be no regulatory alignment whatsoever with the EU regulations post-Brexit. Now, here's his argument. The UK should not be a rule taker. And by not adhering to the EU single market and customs union, we won't be... Uh, setting ourselves to be governed by rules that we do not have a say on. He's told business that they've had at least three years to prepare, and he's even gone so far as to acknowledge that some businesses won't actually benefit from Brexit, which is quite stark, especially at this stage in the process, to now be finally seem to be seem to be admitting what you could arguably say a lot of people have previously argued before, that Brexit is not going to see many benefits for people. Some people do think it will have a lot of benefits, but clearly this is a very, very controversial thing for the Chancellor to say. And of course, immediately, big business responded with uproar over the comments. We had the CBI Director General Dane Cowan in Fairburn come out essentially saying, look, alignment supports jobs and competitiveness. We even had the Food and Drink Federation, who of course rely heavily on just-in-time supply chains, They came out and said that no alignment could lead to food price rises and could even potentially see the final nail in the coffin for frictionless trade. And things like just-in-time supply chains are absolutely vital for ensuring that foods such as fruit and vegetables are able to hit uh, store shelves safely and efficiently. And so this is a big problem. And the backlash was so bad for the Chancellor that whilst at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Javid had essentially needed to do some damage control here, a bit of smoothing over of the situation. And so he insisted in a speech that he delivered that it would be, quote, democratically wrong and economically not in our interest to automatically adopt EU regulations and any future changes made to said regulations. But his new position here is that the UK won't diverge from regulations for the sake of it, which is a bit of a change from what he said previously, which was that absolutely no alignment whatsoever Now he's saying, well, we're not going to diverge for the sake of diverging, but we'll see where it's relevant, where it's not relevant, and we'll move on from there. Now, of course, the terms of a new free trade agreement with the EU will, of course, be vital because the government has already pledged to protect the current levels of trade that we have within the European Union, with the government's aim being to strike, quote, a deep and comprehensive free trade agreement with the EU in the coming months. The question going forward is, will that be possible? Is it going to be possible to deliver a free trade agreement in just under a year where we have the same benefits as we currently do in the EU? That's what the government's aim is. We're going to have to find out how that pans out in the future. But I can tell you that there are a lot of pessimistic people out there arguing absolutely no way this is going to happen in just in the space of a year. And even if we do have a free trade agreement, the benefits that we currently have being in the EU will not be there when we exit. 
Back to more domestic issues and of course the Labour leadership contest. Since we last spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, there have been a few interesting developments in the race. At the start of the week, we had MP for Birmingham Yardley, Jess Phillips, pulling out of the contest after failing to achieve a sufficient number of trade unions and constituency Labour parties to put her over the top to get into the final ballot. She acknowledged that she wasn't the right person to unite the party. And here's the interesting thing. She's on the more moderate side of the party. And many of the pundits predict that her dropping out will mean that Keir Starmer is going to get a bit of a boost because quite a lot of new members are joining the Labour Party, which I'll mention in a second. But whilst Sir Keir Starmer is definitely having a good campaign so far, he's already through to the final ballot. Another candidate seems to be picking up quite a lot of momentum in this race, if you'll pardon the pun. And that is the MP for Wigan, Lisa Nandy, because on Tuesday, she received the endorsement of the of the UK's third biggest union, the GMB. And according to The Guardian, this has significantly increased her chances of doing well in this contest. In fact, in the past couple of days, she's made it onto the final ballot and she's been widely regarded to be a great performer in interviews. So she was on Andrew Neil's show a few days ago. Earlier in the week, she was on Good Morning Britain. She took Piers Morgan to task over Meghan Markle, royal family situation, and the debate over racism in the British press. But there's still a long way to go in this race. Um, anything can happen. Rebecca Long-Bailey will also almost certainly join the other two on the final ballot after having received an endorsement from the Unite Union. The prospects of Emily Thornberry, though, are not looking so good at the moment as she is lacking in support from affiliates. In fact, in an interview today, on Saturday, the 25th, she said that two of the candidates, Rebecca Long-Bailey and Keir Starmer, are machine candidates, trying to belittle them in a way, calling them out over the fact that you've got one who's quite far to the left, one who's more considered to be more of a moderate, and Emily Thornberry's lack of support, she's saying is because of a squeeze, the fact that she's in the middle and is getting squeezed out. So she's not too happy about that, and she is lacking in support big time in this race, so she will be fighting for survival uh, going forward. As I mentioned before, the BBC is reporting that the average increase for membership in each constituency Labour Party is around 20%, so there's been a huge surge in leadership in in membership since the race was called. Now, it's too early to say if these new numbers are purely in the party to vote on the contest or if they actually have greater intentions to play a bigger role in their constituencies, but that's definitely something to keep an eye out for moving forward, especially when we head into the final ballot at the end of February. Well, that's it for this edition of Nonstop Politics, a slightly shorter edition than normal, but next week, though, will be the big day, January the 31st, when Britain finally exits the EU, Of course, no matter what your view of this subject, it is certainly going to be an historic occasion, the most consequential constitutional change this country has seen for almost half a century. Another quick note is that next week will also be the final stretch before the Iowa caucuses, which will take place on the 3rd of February over in the United States. I have a lot more on that and the impeachment trial going on in last week's episode, so please do check that out in the meantime and more coverage on Iowa and the US presidential race to come very soon. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at nonstoppolitics and never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Spotify too. But for now, I'm Darth Leslie. This has been Nonstop Politics and I will catch you next time. Bye-bye.